White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 731. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. From the palatial White Rocket Entertainment Studios in Southern Illinois and somewhere in mysterious Ohio... (laughs) It's the White storm, Rocket. Storm-wracked Ohio. Storm-ridden, storm-wracked Ohio. <laughs> it's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Andy, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Van. How are you doing tonight? Good. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined as always by my dependable, rock-steady co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, um, we are back. Uh, we got delayed for a couple of days, so our patrons always understand when these things happen. We have real-world issues as husbands and parents, right? We have things to deal with, but we are back with a very, I think, exciting and interesting one that I'm very, very interested in learning what you thought about tonight. I think this is going to be a fun one to talk about. Absolutely. So um, this is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast, as I said, and um, to follow the show, we definitely would appreciate your support. Go to www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron, join the family, and you can not only keep the show going, but also uh, join in the commentary and discussion there on the uh, mess on the sort of the posts uh, and uh, about the show, and uh, and leave questions and comments for our segment later in the show from our patrons' uh, comments and questions. Now, and and we don't have ads. We are one of the few podcasts out there, Andy, that does not do ads. We are not suddenly interrupted by somebody trying to sell you pills or something crazy. Right. Uh, you know, I watched a, a podcast with one of my favorite authors. He was being interviewed by somebody, and like every 30 seconds, the guy yes. was, was n- nailing something that he was trying to sell. So it was it was a little annoying. Yes. We don't do that at all. No ads at all, other than me just saying, please go to www.b5review.com. <laughs> That's the only ad. That's it. All right. Um, so I guess um, tonight we're going to be talking about episode 415, No Surrender, No Retreat. That title may sound familiar to some folks. But yep. before we get into it, um, there is a bit of Babylon 5 news that has happened in the last couple of weeks since our last show. Indeed. We got the uh, the trailer finally for the uh, the Babylon 5 animated movie, mm. the, the, the Long Road Home, I think it's called. Yeah, I, I think so. Or the road home, the there's there's a JMS does a lot of stuff with the long road, right? The the, the right. techno mages would always talk about the long road. There was an episode of Crusade about the techno mages that was called the long road. Yep. They they yep. all that's one of their techno mage terms is the long road. So this may just be the road home, it, I'm, but it may be the long road home. I'm not sure. We need to look that up. Um, I'm, yeah, you can check it. All right, um, but that's it. And we saw the trailer. And I tell you what, I know there are probably still a few people that are not impressed, but I think it really kind of, 
I don't want to say it shut people up or, or smacked them in the face a little bit, but it kind of shut people up and smacked them in the face a little bit. I, I agree 100%. I, I, the, the animation, all we had before was the, the style of the, the design of, of yeah, the... Yeah, a couple um, of still shots, yeah. Right, right. But uh, seeing everything in action, I think it was, mm-hmm. it's obviously computer animated with, with cell shading over it. So it's a higher quality than like the typical 1980s GI Joe Transformers yeah. type Saturday morning cartoon animation. So I'm I'm impressed. I, I think I think it'll be good. The the space battle scenes looked fantastic. You know what really grabbed me was the um, the shadows. They were actually oh, seen. Yeah. I mean w- the shadows we got in the mm. the TV show were pretty static. They didn't do a whole lot. You no. know uh, of running around. You know showing action. They just kind of stood there. Heck, we barely even saw them at all. So when they showed a couple scenes of the shadows running around, you know, fighting and attacking and stuff like that, that was pretty darn cool, I thought. I, th- I thought that was really neat. No doubt. Yeah, they, we only had them CGI, of course, not in full Nagrath mode. Imagine the shadows in full right. Nagrath mode. That would have been interesting. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we saw them in the shadows and flickering and all. I mean, if you're going to do a really complex alien on, a, on the budget that Babylon 5 had, uh, using you know Amiga video toasters back in the 90s, then it's right. probably smart to make them partially invisible and always off stage, kind of like the shark in Jaws, right? He was a right. The shark in Jaws was a terrible special effect, but they yeah. used it so sparingly that you that it never reveal it didn't fully reveal itself as terrible as it was. You know what I mean? Right. Until just a couple of scenes, really. So, right. And those are ones where you're so horrified that you don't even realize. So. So, yeah, I was very impressed with it. I loved that we saw several different characters. We got a lot of Dr. Franklin in it. Yes, we did. We, we got, got some Zathras. We got some Zathras in it, although I don't know yeah. which Zathras it was. Right. And, it was Zathras, uh, not, not Zathras. It was, that's right. I get those confused. <laughs> and it was, we saw some Sheridan. Uh, we saw him kiss Delenn. Yes. That was yes, cool. It yep. looks to me like just a romp, right? Like take Sheridan, throw him into a situation, and have him try to fight his way through it. And 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 in a little bit like what happened to him in War Without End. Right. And, right. And being an animated movie, the budget for special effects—you well, don't have to worry about you know the budget for special effects, yeah. set design, changing over the sets. So you can jump from scene to scene to scene without you know without having to worry about budgetary constraint so it, it's, i think it, like you said it's going to be a romp you know and i think it leans into the the multiverse uh um thing yeah. that is so popular these days you know yep. with with all the movies and stuff because there there were a couple scenes where um dr franklin pointed out that you know you're you jumped into a different reality or something like that oh so. yeah that's right that's right So we could we yeah we could see different versions of characters than we expect different futures different pasts so i'm, I'm excited and I believe JMS this past week said something to the effect of because they didn't have a special effects budget per se, um, they spruced up the interior of the White Star. They punched up a little bit of the interior of the Babylon 5 station. Somebody was joking with us about did they did they ramp up the council chamber a little bit finally? <laughs> and, and if so, how? You know, gosh, no, that's I think we've made a reputation for cracking on the council chamber. <laughs> That's we okay. can't be the only ones, fan. We can't be the only ones. No, I. You know, it's funny. The way that the council chamber is arranged, I have this. I have this sound effect, so I can do this. This will be funny. I hope. Hope. The way the council chamber is arranged, when when like Sheridan or or Delenn or Ivanova is walking around in front of that two tiered uh, row of like a game show, 
I want I want Sheridan to have a long microphone, and I want to hear <laughs> the Drazi was so hungry. How hungry was he? He put his blank in his star hawk. There you go. That's what I expect to see. It's match game 2258. <laughs> that is awesome. I haven't heard that in oh, decades, yeah. man. That's that's nostalgia right there. Oh yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I'll put those back in the drawer. They're not for this show. We have our we have a couple for this show and that's not them. Um <laughs> All right. Did do we have any other thoughts or about the movie trailer or any other Babylon Five news to report this time? Uh, the uh, video that was uh, sent to us by Allison Rich. Do we want to discuss that now? Oh Should yeah. We discuss that. Yeah, that was good. That was um, well. We've talked before. You know, uh, what's uh, what's the guy's name that does these sci-fi series documentaries? Rowan Rowan J. Coleman. Yeah. Right. Rowan J. Coleman does these wonderful ones, and he did like a two-part one on Babylon Five about a year or two ago. Right. And I, it, he he came to my mind because I just now was watching the new one on Battlestar Galactica. He did, he's done three on Battlestar Galactica. He did one on the 1978 show. He did one on the 2004 show. And just today, which is recording this June 25th of 23, he just put out his third one about like Caprica and Blood and Chrome and the Plan and Razor and all that. And I was just watching it before I came down here. It's really good. Similar to that though. Uh, Allison sent us both the link to to remind folks what it is. It's called Babylon Five. Twenty five years later, is it still worth watching? Yeah, it was good. And it's it it, it was good. And it, it basically the the discussion boiled down to uh, what we writers called pantsing or plotting. Yeah. What what the the the, the core discussion was. Is it a good thing that Babylon 5 was all plotted out ahead of time, the five-year arc was plotted out ahead of time, versus how more episodic shows plot out five to ten episodes in advance and that's it. They have nothing, hmm. you know, nothing put together after that. And which, which, was, which is the better way to do it? Was Babylon 5 better for having done it the way they did it? Hmm. Or could it have been better if they did, did it the other way? So yeah, and, it was an interesting discussion for sure. And the thing about it too that's cool is that not only did JMS you know kind of plot it out, but he also left it loose enough that when problems came up, and lots of them obviously did, right? Yeah. Every, everything from yes. Sinclair having to leave to the fifth season situation that we'll talk about later, right. he was always able to adjust on the fly. And you know, having having read what his original plan was, I used to be before I read it, I thought I knew what it was, and I was sad that we didn't get it. And now that I've read what the original plan for the five years was, I'm so glad things worked out the way they did because what we got, I mean, I'm sure he would have changed it over time, right? As a writer, you right. know, you have to, you, you, even, you know, even when you have a plan, you still, you know, I've always said, even when you write with a plan, it's like saying I'm going to drive to Los Angeles. If you're 10 miles from the Grand Canyon, you may very well deviate from the script to go see the Grand right. Canyon for five minutes, you know. So right. oh, you ha- the outline, yeah. yeah, as a writer, the outline is just a, a, a very broad roadmap. Yeah. I mean, you refine it as you go. Like what you're saying, the, it's not like a, a detailed, you know, itinerary from AAA or anything like that. It's just a broad roadmap from beginning to point A to point B. And whatever side trips you take along the way will only, you know, enhance your trip. So, yeah, that's. And that's basically how JMS approached it. I do a pretty detailed outline for a lot of my things, but I'm open to changing them constantly because I feel like yes. it just becomes it just becomes a reservoir of ideas that I can morph and and 
twist as needed as the story changes. It doesn't have to follow Same. that. Yep, that's exactly how I do it too. I, yeah. I, the whole plotting versus pantsing. By, by pantsing, I mean seat of the pants writing. Yeah, uh, I could never. I, I I have no problem with people who do that. I could never write no. that way. I, I would I would go crazy. <laughs> no, it's just like throwing a suitcase with some clothes in the car, getting out on the interstate, and not even looking which direction you're going on the interstate. Right. Exactly. I, I mean, it might be a nice afternoon drive, but it's not going to get you. And it might get you somewhere interesting eventually, but I kind of like to have some kind of a plan. Like the Cylons, I'd kind of like to have some kind of a plan, you know. Right. And to put it in the context of television, look at what Babylon 5, how Babylon 5 turned out with the, the more detailed plotting versus how um, oh, what, what, uh, Lost turned out, which mm-hmm. wasn't plotted out in advance. They just planned four or five episodes at a time, and then they went from there. And <laughs> Everybody knows by the, the fifth season or whatever, it was a complete mess and it lost ratings and everybody mm. was disappointed with the ending and all that stuff because they didn't know where they were going. So, I never watched it or the X-Files, but people told me X-Files kind of did the same thing. It kept making you think it was going somewhere and it never really yep. did. So Exactly. Glad I didn't watch exactly. either one of those. Um, right. Oh, all right. If we get ready to talk about No Surrender Retreat, I have one other thing I'm going to spring on you here. Uh, I haven't talked to you. I have not talked to you about this in advance. We've talked about what we might want to do in the future. And what I want to propose to you, just to see what you think, because I'm impatient like that, and I don't want to die of old age before we ever get to do it. The other day I realized just how many more episodes we have to do of this show. Because not only do I have to finish season four, we have to do all of season five, and then I started making a list of all the other things. It was a long list. <laughs> we, we got a long way to go, brother. Right. We're going to be here for a while. But that made me think I would like to intersperse here and there occasionally. Because, you know, we've done things like Foundation mm-hmm. and Dune, mm-hmm. right? For things that we think would be of interest to our audience. Right. I, call me crazy, I really would like to do like the first episode or first episode two part or whatever it is of Stargate universe with you separately, not inter, you know, not interrupting our show necessarily just right. to see if you like it. I want, cause it's, it's only two seasons and I kind of want to, I, I kind of want to just get your read on it. All right. Can, I'm, do I'm it, definitely down with that. We can do it the same way we do this show and we'll just drop it in as a special bonus for our listeners and see what they think too. But right. I'm really, I'm just dying. I haven't watched it. I've watched it all the way through like three times since it premiered in like '09. Right. And um, and I'm curious if our listeners out there are fans of that show, and I'm curious what you think of it. So, not not immediately, but one of these days, fairly soon, I'd like to do like the first episode and see where, what you think. I'm totally open to that. I watched the first one or two seasons of the original Stargate Stargate TV show on. Cinemax or yeah, it was it was on like Showtime that. or Cinemax. Then Showtime, it moved to yeah, yeah. And then I watched one or two episodes of Stargate Atlantis, I think. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know the Stargate universe existed. I thought when people said Stargate universe, I thought they were just talking about like the Marvel All Cinematic the, Universe, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, didn't yeah. Know that there was all another show. So yeah, to I'm me, definitely open to it. To me, those three shows get progressively better. I know a lot of the Stargate fans think it's the other way around. I know that, but. Stargate Universe is like this strange combination of the new Battlestar Galactica, Space 1999, and Stargate. So it was just made for me. And and I I think that the plots, 
and the characters are absolutely compelling. So, and we could, and, and if we have B5 listeners that you know would like, would enjoy a special episode, it might turn them on to something they didn't know about either too. So, right. Absolutely. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of pencil that one in and we'll talk about it later, but that's coming up. All right. Let us get to 415, no surrender, no retreat. Um, this was production number 415. So we are well into the second half of season four. Um, it's original air week was May 26, 1997. I'm trying to think where I was that early in that summer of 1997. And it was, of course, written by J. Michael Straczynski. Again, I'm going to keep saying that for a long time now. We're in, we are in, I think, what is the longest single stretch of, of a TV show being written by one person consecutively in, in history, right? I think that's I'm right. pretty Absolutely. confident. Yep. Yeah. This one was directed by the great Mike Vihar, who is yep. on the Mount Rushmore of B5 directors, no doubt about it. And rightfully so. Yes. What do you suppose the P5... Again, for folks that don't know, they're just tuning in. The Lurker's Guide to Babylon 5, at the time these shows were first airing, did polls every episode of the, of their, of the viewers. And they gave them between a 0 and a 10. And this is always fun because Andy doesn't ever know what the P5 rating is. And I do. And I like to see if he can guess. Because it's basically double what our five-point scale rating is. Right, right. And it's always interesting to see how their rating back then compares to how we rate them today. Right. All right. So what do you suppose the P5 rating was for No Surrender, No Retreat? I'm going to guess that this one hit pretty big because it it involves some pretty heavy stuff. It did. I'm going to say 9.2. Good Gosh, Andy is a ama- all right now, folks. That you, if you haven't, if you've forgotten, or if you hadn't been listening in a while or ever, the first couple of times I got Andy to try to guess this, he always went too low, right? Because you went by what you think now, right? But then after two or three tries, you realized you needed to adjust up because it was the first time people were seeing it, right? And you did, and so you said nine point two. The P5 rating for this episode was 9.16. You got it. I mean, round that up and you got it on a nail on the head. That's crazy. You missed it by (laughs) 0.04. That's incredible. So Andy continues his streak of just being all over the P5 rating. Good job. Good job. All right. Whose turn is it to do the summary? I think it's mine. I forget. Yeah, that could be. All right. Well, mine are quick and easy. I just steal them. Yeah. Sheridan's forces attempt to liberate Proxima 3. I have a question about that in a minute. Londo okay. tries to enlist Jakar's aid in backing Sheridan against Earth. So yes. this really just one plot. There's not real there's right. a, they're kind of an a, a 1A and a 1B or an A1 and an A2 really. I mean, there's not a whole lot else going on, which by the way gave me a hard time with my categories this week. Because <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot to right. work with, it was pretty much, you know. So. I, I had the opposite. I had a, a couple for for most ah, of them. So. I, I, you're gonna have to help me because I'm. I had right. a hard time with the categories. This, this is one of the hardest ones I ever had for the categories. Um, all right, notable guest stars have several. Marsha Mitzman Gavin as Commander Sandra Levitt. I guess that was the commander on the main bad guys destroyer yeah that was the 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 first officer on the heracles yeah yeah she was cool um ken jenkins as captain trevor hall was that the main 
That was the main bad guy, the main antagonist, okay. Captain. Yeah. I didn't love him. I mean, he kind of stomped. Not to. No, but I mean, as a villain, even he kind of stomped around the bridge and yelled and was and made angry noises. Yeah. But he just didn't really right. impress me. Um, right. Richard Gant as Captain Edward McDugan. Oh, Mac. Yeah, Mac. Mac. Yeah. Mac. Mackie or Mac or whatever they called him. Yeah. Right. He was cool. I like I, him. I don't think is this the first time we've seen him. You know, it's one of those things where they act like we've known him forever, but we don't know if we actually ever saw them before. Right. Because he looked awfully familiar. I don't know. Well, the actor's familiar to me. He's been in a few things. Right. But um, um, he, I mean, he's he kind of reminded me like an older, gruffer Tony Todd in a way. And we've seen Tony Todd yeah. in this in this kind of role too as a captain on Babylon Five. So right. Yeah. So they were they kind of he kind of reminded me of that. Um. But when Tony Todd was on here, he was a lot younger than that. Um, Joshua Cox, of course, is Corwin, and Neil Bradley as Philby. I don't remember who Philby was. Philby? Yeah, that was in the credits, but I don't remember who it was. I don't know. I write down the main guest stars they list on the, sh- on the website, and then I go and watch the episode, and I freeze frame and write down the other ones. But uh, right. I don't remember who Philby was, but I'm sure it'll come to us. Um, oh, he was a, he was a, a commander. Oh, so he okay. must have been one of the the guys in one of the other ships too. Yeah, when they yeah okay that makes sense. Yeah. All right. What kind of random factoids and notes do you have for us this week, if anything? I have none. I could mm. not find anything. Okay. So I'm I'm hoping that you got something. Oh, we got plenty to discuss here. That's fine. All right. So just off the bat, th- the reason I said you may recognize this title is this is the title that is applied to the entire season, right? Every right. season, JMS would pick one episode title that he thought was the most representative or evocative of the season. And so this one is No Surrender, No Retreat. Yep. The entire season. Um, yep. If you bought the little episode guidebooks that, I guess, came out one for... There it is. Yeah, it says on the front. You got it right there. Exactly. No Surrender, No Retreat with the with the telepath lady on the cover in purple. And these um, books are fantastic, by the way. There's one for each season, and if they're older... But if you can track them down, they're not terribly expensive, and they're really good. Uh, they're, they're just good reads. I'm going to show you something else you should track down, then. Hold on. Calling an audible right here in the middle of the show. <laughs> He's reaching into his vast storage of books. I went to the Babylon 5 shelf, and, um, uh, man, you can all the Post-its and index cards and bookmarks you'll see. I like the official episode guides, but I like this one a lot better. Andy Lane's the Babylon, the, the Babylon Five, and there's volume two up there too, but I only grabbed the first one. And gotcha. it is packed. He analyzes every episode the way we do. Good. And so I will give you this warning. In volume one, he goes like th- up through the end of season three, roughly, and he loves it. You can Every word he writes is like, oh, this is so great, it's so great. Volume two covers like season four and season five. He's a lot. He's one of those people that the buildup is a lot more than the payoff. You know, we've always talked right. about how everybody can enjoy the buildup because you're free to make up your own conclusion in your head. The problem right. is when the real conclusion doesn't match what you've made up in your head, you're disappointed sometimes. So volume two is kind of a downer because he's like, oh, what are they doing now? Oh, what, you know. So, but but get folks, uh, Andy Lane, the Babylon File. It's a it's it's a totally it's a it's some Virgin I believe yeah Virgin Publications. It's a totally unofficial, unauthorized guide to Babylon 5 that came out while the show was on. And it's a lot of fun. It's really cool. All yeah. right. We get Ivanova, Jakar, and Londo back this episode, which was exciting because they we haven't seen st- much of them. Yep. At Still least no Delenn. Even a little Marcus. Um, did we get some Delenn? No Delenn at all. Yeah. No Delenn. 
So at the expense, we just can't seem to get them all together at once, you know. Right. Uh, oh, oh, I love that <clears throat> at the beginning of this episode, they're turning the open area back into the war room again. Right. They took it down after the Shadow War. And yep. <laughs> I, it, wasn't that where they turned into uh, the broadcast studio? For, yeah, they turned it into the studio, right. So is the studio gone now and they're going back to the war room again? No, she was still broadcasting from it because we still got a little bit at the at the beginning or at the end. Yeah, she she did a broadcast at the very end of the episode, I believe. Okay. What did I know they at the beginning? Of, huh? What did they use that room for before the Shadow War? I mean, I guess it was the Zocalo maybe or something, but what was yeah, it supposed it, to be on the? Because we haven't seen the Zocalo in a while. Right. I it, it, as in the production of the show, it was the Zocalo in on the mm-hmm. station in the story. I don't know what. What the the in story rationale for it's this big, giant room that they're big closet? I mean, it's like right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this was what we were supposed to be using for the, uh, the council <laughs> chambers. I forgot this was here. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but uh, it, it is true though. If you think about it, it's been a while. Now that I think about that, I wish we had noted the last episode where you see the the Zocalo. Yeah. It 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 must have been somewhere in season three, maybe. Right, I, yeah. Was it they were celebrating some? Yeah. Something. Somebody died or something like that. And they were they were all meeting there for a, a, yeah. a toast or something like that. I forget what it was. Well, I guess when Sheridan came back from Zahadum in like four o two or four o three. Oh yeah, they, they were, were up on the balcony, up on the walkway, yeah. the gantry thing. Yeah. yeah. But then after that, it kind of went away. So. Right. Um, let's see. Oh, we get to see the council again. In the little mm-hmm. council chamber. Wait, right. a, here's the, the official theme song for the council. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it. Um, it. It was so good to see Londo and Jakar together again, but more about that coming up. Oh, we see the, we see the Babylon 5 logo with the sword finally. Yes. They put it on Painted Sheridan's on the, White Star. Yeah. Yes. Painted I love that logo. Star. I love that yep, logo that's a, so that, much. That's a cool logo. I've got a T-shirt that I've never worn that I bought back in the day. I just wanted to. I was afraid if I ever wore it, it would fall apart or something. But I've got the T-shirt that's got Sheridan in a black uniform on the front, and on the back it has that logo. Nice. I need to take it to Dragon Con this year. Maybe I will. Um, I never always. Yeah, I need to take it. It's down here in the basement in my little stash of 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 cool outfits and shirts and stuff. I need to take it upstairs. So I'll never take it back to Dragon Con. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, oh, I had a couple of notes here, just observations. When when Sheridan talks to the other Earth captains and their destroyers, he's wearing that black uniform. What must they think? Right. I I, I noted that too. I was like, because they they kept showing them from going back and forth when they were talking to each other. You know, they were mm-hmm. cutting from from him to them, and there was a notable difference. I mean, it was kind of jarring. Because he was he was talking as if he was one of them, you know, yes. as as if he was part of the Earth Alliance and Earth Force yep. and all that stuff. And yeah, I, could they see him? I don't oh, know. when they were in the when they were in the room together, they could see him. Right? Yeah, and he's yeah, got the he's got the butt kicking vest on, as I think of it. Right, it's like right. Yeah. the uniform by itself is I'm running the running the station. He puts that vest on, and it's up time to kick butt. Yep. Ivanova too. Ivanova's got the little vest too. I don't think Franklin has a vest. I don't think Garibaldi yeah, had a vest. Yeah. I don't think Zach has a vest. Yeah, right. But John and and Susan have the butt kicking vests. Right, because they're the Andy, butt kickers. I, yeah, I love that vest so much. I have that. You know what I mean? I have the I have the full. We talked about it. I have the full uniform, right. and I insisted that they make me the vest too. 
It's so is it awesome. Offici- is it officially called the butt kicking vest? Or That's what I call it. it. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. I don't know. It's got that great leather, the leather panels down the front, yeah. and then the gold stat bar across, and the and the filigree on each side. I love it. Yeah, it. it's love cool. It. I, yeah, but having having Sheridan wearing that when he's telling the other member, the members of the Earth Alliance, you know, the the Earth Force, it's like you said. You know, he doesn't even seem like he's one of them. He's not. He he he, he resigned his commission, as far as I know, or at least he. Yep. Anyway, it was just weird. Um, yeah. I kind of felt like I wished he was back in the Earth Force uniform, even though I love the black uniform so much. I, this is this is a question for you because you're a spaceship expert even more than me, and I acknowledge that. It is never clear how powerful the Omega destroyers, that's the big Earth ships with the rotating sections and the big guns and yep. the fighters, okay? It is never clear how powerful they are, particularly in comparison to white stars, because I'd always assume the white stars are way more powerful, being, you know, Minbari, Vorlon, whatever. But in this episode, it looks like the destroyers are at least holding their own to a certain degree against an entire fleet of white stars. And I'm like, dude, these white stars went up against shadow ships. Mm-hmm. They should just be able to... And, and, and JMS is going to address it in JMS Speaks here in just a minute, but it's still... What, are you, what is your evaluation of that? I think that the, uh, the Earth destroyers are the peak Earth technology, which puts them just above the the centauri and just below the minbari okay so i i think and the the sheer size of them i think and they they had what five or six of them yeah right yeah and i think there was a dozen of the uh the white stars because i think they had three flights of three so maybe only nine white stars and the white stars are notably smaller mm-hmm. than than the destroyers so I think that the sheer size and the and the firepower they bring can bring to bear. I think they're not quite as high up technologically, but just the sheer firepower and size that they can bring to bear puts them at an almost even. But even with that, the White Stars did end up wiping them up pretty good. I mean, yeah. that was not a long space battle, and, and no. the White Stars had the upper hand pretty quickly. And they did they lost the one. There was at least one yeah. that I saw destroyed. When at it, least one destroyed. Yeah. Right. And a couple others that were showed veering off after they took some serious damage. So, yeah. um, even with pod. that, though, the, the, right, the, the White Star still handily won that. Well, again, JMS has something to add to that. I'll just hold it until we get to that section. But I was just curious. I, th- I think I agree with what you're saying there. The, I do love those. The, 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 the Omega Destroyers, they're, oh, not, yeah. they're not necessarily the ones I would pick if I was going into battle. I'd totally be on a White Star. But right. they are fun. I like a ship with moving parts. Yep. They look like World War II battleships in space. They remind me yep. of the Leonov from 2010 with the rotating oh, yeah. section. They're almost identical to the yeah. Leonov, right? But those big guns in the front, those guns in the back, yep. they launch fighters. Yep. You know, I love that the bridge is not where you think it would be. You think it's going to be up there in the front, but that's actually the hangar deck. Yep. And the gun and the gun deck, and instead the bridge is like in the rotating section that goes around the. Right. So that's I just love it. They're great. They're great. It's a great design. Great ship. I've got like three of them up on my bookcase that I built from those metal models. Um, let's see. Uh, just quickly, what we know about those ships: the Alexander, which was in Severed Dreams, survived Severed Dreams, and is apparently now patrolling Proxima Three to guard against uh, Clark coming back. Uh, the ship that withdrew from the battle was the Juno. In Roman mythology, Juno was the goddess of light and birth. In Greek mythology, that was Hera. The names of the two ships that surrendered had symbolic relation to Sheridan's campaign. The Furies, which is a weird name for one ship, the Furies were goddesses who punished crimes against one's kin. 
Uh, so that's kind of what he's doing, right? He's going against. Right. But, but you could argue that's what Clark was doing, and he's merely fighting back, defending himself more or less. That's a point that I think they need to make more clearly. Nemesis was the goddess who punished hubris, putting oneself above the gods, which certainly Garibaldi right now would say was shared in sin. Absolutely. Although he's crazy or whatever, but anyway. The Pollux was named after Greek mythology as well. Castor and Pollux, the two main stars of the constellation Gemini, or as the Apollo astronauts would say, Gemini, were brothers. (laughs) When Pollux was killed, Castor was so despondent that Zeus turned them both into stars so they could always be together. Uh, and then one last thing about the ships. When the Pollux and the Furies are seen on screen, their Earth Alliance logos are backwards. Hmm. I don't know why, but the E points the wrong way. Interesting. Go back and look. Yep. All right. Uh, here's a few unanswered questions. I, I asked, does it, make, does it hurt Sheridan's strategy of making it look like a human versus human fight that his fleet is flying Minbari Vorlon ships and he's wearing a black uniform? That just is my recurring theme for tonight is how is, he's trying to have it both ways. He's trying to use superior technology with alien ships, with alien crews. Right. And yet, and, an, and really an alien uniform because the Minbari made the uniform too. Delin, right? But he painted the Babylon 5 logo on the White Star. <laughs> there so you go. So that makes it an Earth ship. And it does look cool. So it does look that. cool. All right. So I just don't know if that undercuts his strategy or not, but we'll see. I think, I think that the ships, the White Stars, are not beholden to any alien government. Right. They're, I mean, they're, they use uh, Vorlon and, and uh, Minbari technology, but they're not at all beholden to the Minbari government. So I think, I think that's a... a like like uh, uh, Mackie said during the, the the show, that's cutting the you know cutting it very thin. Right. But it, it's still you know a fine. It's a very fine line, but there's still a, a line there. I guess. Let me ask you this, because I'm going somewhere with this, Your Honor. I'm going somewhere right. with this line of questioning. Who ordered the White Star Fleet to be built? Wasn't that uh, Delenn? Delenn speaking for Valen. No, the Great Council. Specifically, I don't know. Specifically, nope. Delenn speaking for the Rangers. No. <laughs> oh come on! The Help religious cast. Here, the religious cast. Okay. All right. Remember, the religious cast ordered those ships built, not the warrior right. cast. That was made very okay. clear. Who right. actually built them? The worker cast. Oh, you got it in one. Who's running <laughs> the Gray Council now? The worker cast. Uh, Delenn, this is the worker cast. We need our ships back. <laughs> That's what Sheridan needs to be like. Uh, uh, there's uh, there's no one home. Uh, this is John Sheridan. Dylan and I aren't home right now. If you leave your message, beep. Well, I'm sure the he worker has the title. Here, uh, 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 Captain Sheridan, this is the worker cast again. Uh, we, we really need our ships back now. Beep. There's no one home right now. <laughs> I just I'm love sure the idea that, that the Minbari government now is run by the people that built those ships and could say, yeah, okay, we, we need them back. Like Bring them back. Repo them. Repo them. Jack, put them up on, on tow trucks and drag them back to Midbar, baby. <laughs> that would be so funny. I just see. I'm just thinking of the, of the ramifications of the workers' cast running the whole government now. They're just like, right. all right, bring everything, bring it back. We can't afford to have this valuable, valuable hardware floating around, getting blown up by the humans. Bring it back. That would be so funny. Um, I have a feeling that's not where this is going, though. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how were the Earth ships even able to lock onto the White Stars? Clearly, their technology is better than it was during the uh, Battle of the Line. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they 
yeah, they very specifically tried to invade. They might be using technology from somebody else, though. I don't Ooh, know. That's true. That's true. Or they could be locking onto the high re- highly reflective paint that has just been applied <laughs> to all of those white stars. Block How are they locking onto shield. us? I don't know. They keep hitting us in the same spot, John. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, what Have they forgotten Orion 7? Orion 7. Refresh my memory. They are, well, who declared independence? Mars, Proxima 3, and Orion 7 and Babylon 5. So now Babylon 5 is going to rescue Proxima 3, which they did. And right. next up is Mars and then Earth itself. What right. about Orion? <laughs> they forgot Orion. Orion's like, dude, yo. Right. Maybe Orion here. 7's like way out of the way. It, I, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. It has to be because obviously, I mean, think about it. Mars is, is ver- relatively right next door right. in the grand scheme of things. Proxima is literally the closest star to our sun. Right. Even closer than Alpha Centauri A and Alpha Centauri B. Although, I have to point out, why in God Almighty's name or Valen's name would you put a colony at Proxima, which has like a brown dwarf, which is a brown dwarf star, when there's Alpha Centauri A and B are right there, and they're like our sun? I don't know. I just... I don't know. My only theory is they already had the Centauri, and they didn't want to confuse people. They never say right. Proxima Centauri. They say Proxima. Right. So that know. always annoyed me. Proxima. Well, you can't maybe, have a colony. Maybe it was cheaper to build out there than it was to build it. <laughs> it's I mean. five miles closer, I guess. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like building in Staten Island because Manhattan's so much further away. You know, I mean, whatever. Uh, that just bugged me. Okay, so we don't know if they're going to ever liberate Orion. It'd be funny if, like, in season five... They get a message from Ryan Seven, like, "Yeah, Clark's people are still here. We'd love for you to come <laughs> bail us out anytime now. We're just waiting." And Sheridan's like, "Oh crap, we forgot Orion Seven. Crap, those poor guys. It'd be like the Japanese soldiers on the islands in World War Two on Gilligan's right. Island. You know, <laughs> it's a Clark soldier running the whole planet." <sighs> All right. Um, what was Veer writing when he fell asleep, and what was he saying he didn't do when he woke up? Because he says, "I didn't do it." I want to say that it was the uh, um, he didn't kill the uh, the uh, emperor, but he did. He did. I, but I think he was still feeling he still he's feeling a lot of guilt about that. Yeah, he's swimming down denial river. Right. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think you're probably right. Um, what business did Garibaldi have in Centauri space, and what does he plan to do to fight for Earth if he's not going to help Sheridan? And that's pretty much spoiler space, but it's just questions to be right. thinking about. Right. And then lastly, how does Sheridan hope to use the frozen telepaths? And I guess that's another one for, for, for spoiler space. We'll find out. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I have a few JMS speaks here. We've talked about some of them a little bit. Um, first up, we haven't talked about this. Someone asked JMS, why don't we ever see President Clark? And JMS says, I wanted to keep him more a force than a person. So in other words, just kind of like the shark in Jaws again. I'm referencing that exactly. twice now. Right. He's a menace exactly. off screen. He's scarier because he's not on screen. Because honestly, when we finally do see him, he's kind of a big doofus. Right. <laughs> he's not that impressive yes. in real life. You know? No, he's not. No. Um, oh, somebody did ask JMS about Proxima 3. JMS said Proxima 3 is in the Proxima Centauri system next door to Proxima 2, but no one goes there because the tourist season is way too short. <laughs> There you go. Uh, Typical JMS answer, right? Yeah, there's no Taco Bells out there. There's not, exactly. 
Um, all right. Here's his response about the formidability of the white stars. Right. And and I think a lot of it is just because I need the story to go this way. <laughs> but he says, it seems to me the white stars, particularly in the numbers in this episode, somebody asked him this, they should have been able to deal with earth ships like lambs to a slaughter. And JMS says, yeah, if all you want to do is slaughter a few fellow humans and officers, then yes. That's a good point. That's yeah. A good if point. you want to minimize, I see the kitty shown up. If you yep. want to minimize the body count of your fellow officers who you do eventually want to want to side with you it's more difficult you have to keep the kid gloves on which endangers you endangers you in the long run right and then That's he fair. told yeah and he told another person um, they were designed to destroy when you had to pull your punches and avoid just going in and killing everything in sight which will only work against you in the long run it becomes more difficult yeah um, that's fair yeah Okay, somebody asked him that somebody said there were a lot of ethical decisions on all sides in this episode, something you don't usually see in military SF, and said, were you in the military? JMS says, no, I just missed the Vietnam draft. But he says, the points you mentioned about ethics here are the ones I wanted to get into with that episode and the ones a lot of folks have overlooked in suggesting it should have been an episode about slicing and dicing the enemy, the enemy in this case being our own species. The right. show at root is about ethics, JMS says, among other things, and the ethical choices will continue to get more difficult the deeper you go. There is a very fine line that Sheridan's walking in all of this. As, right. as I think Mac, Mac pointed that out. Mac yep. or whoever, yeah. Um, I'm cer- it's certainly an issue I care quite a lot about, and the delicate balance between orders and conscience between what you think you should be doing versus what you feel you must do is the heart of 99% of all drama. Yep. And then the last thing, this is, I think, really, really good. Somebody said that they really liked the Londa Jakar stuff in this episode, and I certainly agree. JMS says, yes, Londo is struggling toward redemption as best he can, making a real effort, which is important. Get this, Andy. But it's important because if Londo is going to end up with a keeper on him, and this is not a spoiler. We've seen this in the flash forwards from War Without Any and others, right? Right. If Londo is going to end up with a keeper on him eventually, as we have seen, it is best to feel for him, which you can't if he's still a bad guy. Right. Absolutely. So he's got to rehabilitate Londo, bring him back over to the good guy side after making him space Hitler, as we talked about for a while there. Yep. yep. we got to bring him back, care about him again, and then we can be mean to him again in the story. He right. says, set him up, it knock him down. Generates pathos for the character. Yes. Yes. And, go, and then, going back to the the ethics stuff, how boring would it have been if the White Stars just went in there and blew everybody up? Yeah. And just like, you know, without any moral drama, mm-hmm. it would have been dull. It would have been just, you know, it would have been a fun action scene maybe to watch them fly in there and shoot all the bad guys up or shoot all the, the other ships up and then move on to Mars and then move on to Earth. But inserting the, the, the moral dilemma that Sheridan has to go through here makes it that much more interesting and 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 uh, uh, engaging. And it's also interesting to me that Sheridan has to be limited in what he can do. He can't just bring a giant armada like he brought against the Shadows because that plays right into Clark's hands. Look, here comes Absolutely. Sheridan with the aliens to conquer us, just like right. I've been warning you. Right. And he very purposefully at the, at the beginning said, we don't want you to join us. We want you mm-hmm. to stay out of it. Stay out of the way. Yeah. Yep. And I love the fact that after making all those treaties and everything that we saw for like three and a half seasons, they all just abrogate their side of the treaty and say, we're siding with Sheridan and Earth, you're on your own. Yep. Um, 
I'm surprised. I see Londo says that. Jakar says that. Some of the other aliens. I was waiting for the Drazi to say, we will abandon Clark, but what is in it for us, human? <laughs> what sort of cash payoff can we expect in Drazi cash? I love the Drazi uh, so much. They're so horrible. They're they great. Um, is Earth purple or green, human? <laughs> <laughs> This could affect our decision. I know I'm doing a terrible Drazi. That's that Kim Strauss great Drazi yeah. voice that I love so much. I do. They're it like I'm, the love it. They're, they're like the 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 weakest parts of the Klingons combined with the worst parts of the Ferengi. Yes, <laughs> they are really unique. They're like, I mean, because everybody talks about the the Narn being like the lizard aliens, but the the they're kind of not. They're there's something a little different, and I really think the Drazi are kind of just the total like. You know, all in it for themselves, don't care about anybody else, kind of typical right. alien race that we've seen forever. But they do it in such a fun way. And again, Kim right. Strauss, among others, does such a great voice. I just love the way he gives them that personality. Yeah. Under all that makeup, to have that personality come through with his voice is just so fun. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, the last thing that related to Londo and Jakar, which I think is good too, is somebody asked him about Jakar, like, not really wanting to cooperate with Londo for the longest time, just dragging it out, dragging it out, dragging it out, which was painful, and we're going to come back to that. Mm-hmm. And he made the very good point. He said if Jakar comes around too easily or too quickly, it would ring false. It had to go through some time and reflection. Uh, but even though one could certainly agree with his anger over what's happened, Jakar has to try and overcome that and even transcend it. And that's what we love about latter-day Jakar. Old Jakar would have murdered Londo the second he saw him. Right. And and we would have understood. Right. But new Jakar is just like, I'm not speaking to you, talk to the hand. But he, I mean, and honestly, Londo was just so pitiful there. You kind of. He was, man. You just kind of want to pat him on his little bald head and say, there, there, Londo, man. You know, you little space Hitler, you. Right. And I totally agree with what JMS says there, because if Jakar had just suddenly agreed, oh, yeah, we're friends now. So. I'll yeah. go along with you, and we'll 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 have that drink, and that would have that would have cheapened his his the, his character arc and his transition to, you know, where where they they end up later on down the road. So I I think it was perfectly handled. Yeah, and just imagine if Shakar went along, had a drink with Londo, and then something, and then Londo pulled some crap again. It's like you know, right. fool me, fool me once, shame on you; fool me twice, shame on me. Right. I would never have a drink with Londo again if I was Shakar. Right. And who could blame him? So absolutely. All right, let's get into categories here. There's some fun stuff. High point of the episode, Andy. I have a suspicion what it might be for you. <laughs> the high point for me was the the whole battle for Proxima Three. That was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was tactical. It was action packed. They had the like we mentioned the moral drama involved. It had you know people switching sides. You know, you had the one ship that was going to switch to. To Sheridan's side, and then switch back to the uh, the other side, and then switch back again to <laughs> Sheridan's side. I mean, it was there was a lot of cool stuff, and and just the space action was awesome. I mean, there's you know the the ships flying around, blowing each other up. It was really cool, and the the dramatic way that the um, I think it was the Furies that was blown up by the the uh, the White Star crashing into the the front hull. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was just it was it was exciting. It was tense. It was you know nail biting at times. You never knew what was going to happen, and it was pretty cool, and it was very well shot. This was shot differently. The bridge of the um, uh, uh, the White Star 
they did the Vehar did a, something a little different, did something a little experimental. He moved the camera around on the deck. It yes. wasn't just normally it's shot from you know right where the view screen would be. He constantly moved that camera around and had had uh, um, Sheridan moving around on the deck. There was a couple shots where he was they were shooting through the transparent you know control screens on their mm-hmm. on their uh, their their bridge and stuff like that. I thought that was really cool. It no, was, absolutely was. And they had to redress the, the set for every different ship and make them look slightly right. different and everything, too, which is really right. good. Yeah. No, I agree with you. The space battle with the two best ships on the show, and that's saying something because yep. there's so many good ships on this show, but the White Star and the Omega are my two easily my two favorites. Absolutely. Yeah, so good, so good, so good. Um, yeah, the fighters zipping around in the, in the foreground and the big sh- capital ships blasting away and everything. I mean, it was great. You have to look at that, knowing what we know about the special effects for this show back then. You have to look at that and go, well, we're in for two or three episodes of people talking in a hallway. Because <laughs> <laughs> there, the, there, the spe- there was the entire computer time on the Amiga to- video toaster for the next right. three weeks right there. <laughs> Yeah, they. Yeah. If our listeners don't know, they can only do this at kind of episode once in a while. So they would do they would spend like three weeks doing this effects for one episode, and in the meantime, you get a lot of conversational episodes set inside a building or something. Right, for budgetary reasons and just for for right. logistics reasons, because yeah. once those those scenes were being generated by the Amigas. It took forever, and they oh, couldn't do anything it. else. So yeah. yeah, I had to render each panel, each like frame. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Right. Yeah, it'll be very different. And the animated show, man, they'll be able to do whatever they want. That's going to be so fun. I'm really looking yeah. forward to some exciting, cool visuals in it. I am too. Hopefully, we didn't see all the best of it in the trailer. Right. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll get some really cool stuff. All right. Meanwhile, what was your low point of this episode? I, you know what, I, I could not decide. I had two of them that were equally just gut gut-wrenching the yeah. one was when jakar refused to drink with uh refused to drink it in his quarters with um londo poured it back in just a little the, bottle yeah poured it back in just the look on londo's face i mean he yeah it was just because you were hoping it's like yes we're finally seeing londo come around and and take responsibility and admit that he did wrong and we might get fun londo back but then mm-hmm. Jakar does that, and it's like, oh, it was so close. Now, yeah. you know, what's this going to do to Londo? So that was rough to watch. And then when that Garibaldi was, mine, was leaving, yeah, when Garibaldi was getting ready to, to leave, and, and the the uh, guy at the at the uh, check in station or the checkout station as he was boarding said, uh, you know, he was asking the questions, what are you leaving for? When will you be back? And or when are you coming back? And Garibaldi said, I'm not. And just mm-hmm. the look he gave. You know the whole Babylon Five. They even focused a little bit on the the. Uh, it was like a sign that said Babylon Five on it. Uh, he was looking around and he was like, "Yeah, I'm never coming back here." And that that was kind of heart heart wrenching too. It was, <clears throat> yeah. I had the yeah. Jakar couldn't blame him, but yeah, it was hard to watch. That, and that whole scene was just awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was what that was the most important scene in Londo's story arc and the most important scene in their relationship in the whole series. And it was so well acted. I mean, it was Connie, my wife, Connie was watching that with me and, and she was just, you know, watching with rapt attention. It was just so mm. the, the two of them completely nailed that one. But, but Peter Jurassic, particularly that monologue was, was fantastic. Yeah. And well, I agree. It, it was a longer scene. I, I was reading uh, an interview with um, Peter Jurassic and he said, that was a longer scene than what you normally see on television because it was it was a pretty long scene. That's true. And he said, and uh, um, Andreas and I were just 
looking forward to it. And they didn't film until the very end of the day. And other scenes had run longer, so they were running out of time. And they, they weren't sure they are going to you know get to do the whole long scene. And then uh, Vehar said, oh, yeah, we're going to film the whole scene. I don't care how late we are here tonight. So mm-hmm. um, they, they just love doing that scene together. And it was a good That's scene, a, good, a very yeah. powerful scene. Absolutely. So good. Well, along similar lines, what was your favorite character moment? If it wasn't that, maybe it was. It was that. Like I said, that was the most important character moment Londo had in the entire series, I think. Um, it, it's, it's Why do you say that? Because it is the completion of his, his character's arc from okay. silly Londo to Space Hitler to the man he really wants to be. Okay. Um, I, I, and I think, it, it, I mean, there was other mo- momentous um, decisions that he made, and the, you know, there was there was stuff that happened throughout the series that that got him, you know, that that moved him in the direction that he needed, or not that he needed to go, but that his arc was going. And this was it, this was the part where he he became the the person he th- where he finally made the right decision and did the right thing. I like it. That's good. Okay. Um, my favorite character moment. Uh, that was certainly up there, but since I'd already used it, I tried to come up with another one. I had Sheridan trying to get the other Earth Alliance people, Earth Force people, to change sides and listen to and everything, and their conversation, yep. which was pretty good, too. I, I agree it wasn't quite on the same level as, as Lando and Jakar, but yeah. Right. I, I have that for a different category. So this is the one I really struggled with. Funniest moment in this episode. Did I miss something or forget something? There is, there is um, what's her name? Ivanova had an Ivanovaism. Well, I was going to say, they, he always drops at least one joke, usually in the first act, but I couldn't right. remember what it was. There was, I, let me pull it up. I, I, I've got, I, I had to actually, there we go. Captain John Sheridan says, the hostiles might be splitting up so they can be with both groups to keep them in line. Marcus Cole says, unless they're all hostile and some are just more hostile than others. And Captain John Sheridan replies, well, thank you for that ray of sunshine, Marcus. Next time I feel the need to be depressed, I'll remember to give you a call. <laughs> Okay. That one got a little. That one got a little chuckle out of me. And Ivanova had one of her Ivanovaisms where uh, they. Uh, I think it was. I forget. One one of the guys on on the station was saying, "Well, who do we trust?" She goes, "Well, you can trust Ivanova and nobody else. <laughs> oh, Every, or you can me. You can trust everybody else. You shoot." <laughs> yeah, that, I remember that that bit there too. That would be mine. Yeah. As 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 Ivanova doing the. Uh, trust Ivanova. It's almost the Ivanova's God bit over again. Right, right. That's what it made me think of. That's why I'm not sure I even saw it. I was thinking maybe I'm just thinking about that other one. Okay. All right. Well, who won this episode? I have Sheridan winning this episode um, because he came out on top in the big battle. He got people over to his side, and he he moved. He he took it to Clark. You know, he he started. He began. The very first line was "Enough is enough," and so now he's moving forward with with his big. Uh, showdown with Clark. So I thought he he moved forward the most and he won this one. There, Like I said, there weren't that many different storylines to choose from in this one. Right. So I put it seems like Sheridan won, but with stuff coming up soon, I'm not right. sure, you know, drawing right. Clark's attention was great. Yeah. He won um, the immediate battle. Yes, exactly. Londo kind of won before it was over. Right. Eventually. I said the anti-Clark people on the Earth Force ships that were able to overthrow their Clark-loving right. superiors, they kind of won. And I guess Proxima 3 won. Yeah, that, that was my secondary one, was Proxima 3 won, because they were, it was a very near thing. They were about ready yeah. to, to throw in the towel, because they didn't have any, anything left. <laughs> can, can I go ahead and say who lost the episode then is Orion 7? 
Yeah. <laughs> I got forgotten. <laughs> I got abandoned. Oh, man. Oh, We're going to find funny. out that that's where the Marquette went. They just took over right. Orion 7. They have a new colony out there. Oh, the, uh, send in your favorite Orion. Yeah, send in your favorite Orion 7 jokes, folks, and we'll put, we'll, we'll, I'll read them next time. Uh, who do you think I, lost the episode? I said Captain Hall lost because yeah. he screwed either way. I mean, he's yeah. he's done for. That's that's he put himself in a really bad position, and it didn't come out well for him. Clark didn't lose, but he's losing at least right, right. now. But he's right. wily, like a he pudgy is. fox, and so <laughs> watch out. More like a more like a snake. Yeah, a pudgy snake. So watch out because Clark isn't done, and he might come back. He's coming back on you. All right, here we go. This one was a hard one for me. We get to the rating. Now, remember, our rating is half the P5 rating, so we go on a 0 right. to 5, with, but we use .5, so it really is like the P5 rating. Right. Um, they all call it the P10 rating because it goes to 10, and the name of the network was P10. Why did they call it P10? It doesn't make any sense. I think last time, yeah. The number was right there. The name was right there. So, all right. They were I trying to keep it B five P five. I guess we had this discussion already. We did. I know. I just don't remember things. All right. So we know ours is usually a little bit lower, and this is not the first time we've seen it. So right. we don't have that. Oh, it was cool thing going for us as much. What did you rate it? I. You know what? I thought this was a, a good solid four. I. I. I really enjoyed it. Um. It was focused. It moved the 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 story forward and it had that fantastic scene with Jakar and Londo, which I've been looking forward to seeing again the entire series. I'd forgotten all so, about it. And, and yeah. it had it had the freaking space battle. That was I mean that was just awesome. It had a lot of like I said before, a lot of intrigue in that. It was a well well plotted, well shot space battle. So I gave it a solid four. This is one of those I wish there was a three point seven five. Because I feel like it's better than a three point five. Yeah. But I can't I just can't give it a four? Really? Okay. I just ca- I can't I can't quite three point seven five three point eight maybe three point nine if I'm really being generous but I just can't quite get it to four so I'm gonna say three point five but it's a very it's a three point five plus right That's okay fair. all right I thought it was it was laser you know we've talked about the the past several episodes have been kind of a, a jumbled yes mess of of different plots and all that this one was laser focused That's I mean fair. it. Even the even the B plot was still part of the A plot. Yeah. So I thought I thought it was it was good to get back on track and, and it was it was just well done all around. No question. No question. You're exactly right. All right. This is where I have to thank the patrons and then we'll see what yep. they had to say. But here are the fine folks keeping the lights on in the station, uh, aboard the station, and you can join their ranks by going to www.b5review.com or just go to Patreon and look for White Rocket Reviews. Because yep. like, like we were saying a while ago, Andy and I are going to review other things. I'm looking forward to reviewing um, Dune 2 this fall with you. In fact, Andy, I am too. holy cow, there's three movies coming out in November that I'm going to just be in like week, week, week that I'm going to be lined up at the theater for. Um, and, and it may not interest everybody, but the Napoleon movie that really Scott does, I'm a huge history guy. I know you are too. I know you're going to want to see that. Yep. There's yep. the Marvels. I love Captain Marvel. And I love uh, I love little Ms. Marvel. So cute, and I really like yep. uh, Monica. So the three of them together, it looks like it's going to be really funny and cool. And then we get Dune two, and we get those within like three weeks of each other. Absolutely, November's going to be a busy month. Oh my gosh, it's going to be crazy. So I'm really I looking forward to Dune two. Yes, can't wait, can't wait. Uh, I mean, because the first half of the Dune story is great, but the the last act of the original Dune novel is awesome. It really is. It's so 
good, and yeah. we've had to deal. Yeah. We've had to, you know, the 1984 version for its virtues and its problems. You know, we we got to see the ending, but it it wasn't maybe done great. And the and the yeah. and the Sci-Fi Channel version was just very low budget. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a very intelligent, well-written, well-put-together, well-staged, and big-budget version of the at final act of the Dune story. That should yep. kick butt from here to Orion 7. Okay. A- absolutely. All right. Um, so, yeah, we'll be doing that. Looking forward to those. Um, here are the fine folks keeping the lights on in the station. Allison Rich, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, mister. Leah G, Rich Hammett, Ben, I'm all caught up, so now I have to wait for new episodes, Rose. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> Good old Debbie, no spoilers, Norris. We try. We do Dragon try. Con, Delin, yay. Emmanuel Seaman, Jal Ja, Mond06, Michael O'Connor, Middle Age Geek Tim, aren't we all? Pete, the real reason Van avoids saying Dragon Con, Furman. <laughs> Steve Palmer. I love Pete. Steve, yeah, Steve Palmer, welcome back, guys. Andy has suffered enough regarding his war without end rating. Yeah, amen. By the way, if you're wondering where these messages come from, you can put whatever you like in the name part of your Patreon account um, as long as it will fit. And clearly you can fit quite a lot in there, and I just read whatever it says, so that's fine. Uh, no, and no obscenity. No, yeah, please, no. Yeah. Stu Parker, The Geek Boy, Una Vez, and Una Luna Azul. Jaquan and only. <laughs> he has a good line for Jaquan. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Heather and Yancey Steingraver, Ice Cream Clone with a Boba Fett head, and Michael Halbrook. Thank you all so, so very much, guys and gals. We could not do it without you. Now, we have a few messages and que- messages from Earth. We should totally call this section Messages from Earth. Dude, absolutely. I'm, I'm going in right now. I'm calling an uh, audible. And changing it to messages from Earth. There we go. Now, you need to go back and do a special edition for every episode up until now and call it messages from Earth. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need to do. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thanks. All right. Let's see. Um, notific- yeah, the easiest way to find everything is to go to notifications. It stacks them all up for me in chronological order. So here we go. Oh, we got quite a few. Um, that's awesome. Aha. All right, Mond06 says, for the non-Patreon listeners, as nice as it is, and I haven't read these. I read these raw on the air, God help us. As nice as it is to not have commercials, I became a Patreon so that I could interact with Van and Andy. To me, that is a much greater value. To demonstrate my point, Van just read this on the podcast. (laughs) I am nothing but an automaton for the patrons. I am a servant... I'm nothing that, but a servant for the patrons. That was that was one of the best readers oh, or listeners or whatever supporter statements I've ever listened to you read on. And it. I, that was that was so meta and so intelligent <laughs> and witty. That was awesome. I even Eat accidentally little, set little it up water. by saying I don't read them in advance. <laughs> we Dang need to name a cat. Name a category after him or something. That was awesome. Here's my here's my <laughs> message for Mondo Six. Not for why you can't, monkey boy. There you go. There you go. Good job, man. And then he oh he does have a serious comment here. He says the Minbari Civil War did end abruptly. We talked about that. Yep. But I'm good with it. If you focus on Delin, it works with her character. I agree. She saw a problem and she schemed how to fix it. I can't fault the character for effectively using her connections and resources to bring the conflict to a quick end. No, fair enough. Absolutely. Yep. 
Debbie. Oh, I love the way that, that she ended that. I thought it was it was the most Dylan way to end it, yeah. Yep. Uh, Debbie, no spoilers, Norris said, I love this episode the first time I watched it a few months ago, and now that I finally convinced my husband to watch his show, we just watched it again last week. Man, I'm so jealous of you and, and Debbie and these other people who have spouses that love this show. My wife just takes one look at it and runs screaming. She can't stand it. It's so depressing. <laughs> Uh, Debbie says, I still loved it just as much. Seeing Nerun step in and sacrifice himself was epic. At minimum, this episode was a four, maybe a 4.5. Ooh, drop the bomb, says Debbie. Van, does Andy have psi powers, and has he influenced you to give these awesome episodes a 3.5 rating like War Without End? In Valen's (laughs) name, I'm shocked. Please clap. Great. Now we're going to have to live with it for even longer. Longer, (laughs) yep. Uh, She says, I do think the rush to get all the storylines, some kind of resolution before they were possibly canceled, definitely impacted this episode. I would have preferred the storyline of Marcus and Franklin heading to Mars being shortened, maybe doing away with the whole Captain Jack storyline. That would have given a chance to delve more deeply into the Minbari story and maybe giving us more info about the worker cast, which I agree, but I still love the resolution of the Civil War. She's making just some banging points here. Uh, she is. Yeah. It really is a shame there was the threat of cancellation hovering over season four. Imagine how epic it would have been if JMS was able to spread it out over two seasons. Maybe we would have never seen the atrocity of a certain telepath hair. Uh, we're getting into spoiler space here. And she says, was that a spoiler? Sorry, it had to be said. <laughs> it's true. I agree, but I'm not going to say more. Finally, you guys are amazing. Oh, come on. You're, this, even, this message is amazing, Debbie. And I really enjoy your podcast. Thank you for doing it. Well, thank you so much. That's, that's um, great. You know, I do this just to hang out and talk with Van, but it's, it's gratifying <laughs> to hear that other people actually get a kick out of it, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, on our football show, John and I have always said this is a conversation he and I would be having every week anyway. We just post it out there for other people to listen to if they want right. to. So <laughs> it's, it's, it is gratifying that people enjoy it. I really, I, we try to make it in, entertaining and crisp and everything but, uh, and, and, yes. and, and informative, but uh, you never know. Um, I had mentioned I was watching Voyager, and I did kind of wrap up watching the main. I've watched probably half the overall series episodes. And she says, "P.S. If you Van, if you just watch Voyager, check out the Delta Flyers podcast. The actors who played Tom and Harry do a great. And that's Robert Duncan McNeil and Garrett Wong do a great job recapping the show and sharing their memories of filming it. That sounds cool. Yeah, that big. That, that does cool. sound like fun. Did you ever watch Voyager? Uh, no. I watched like one or two episodes and was less than impressed with it. Yeah, my evaluation of it is that the, the show, and, and this may, this varies obviously from person to person, but my evaluation of Voyager was the best thing about it, I mean, Janeway is a really great captain. I love her to death. She's fine. She's fine, okay? Yep. But the best thing that makes that show fun is Seven of Nine and the Doctor, the holographic Doctor. Those two right. characters are unique. You know what I mean? They're unique and special and different. They're not yep. just random person who's an officer in Starfleet, like everybody right. else pretty much. Right. And so I really – and I noticed that all the best of lists that had like the 10 best episodes of Void or the 20 best episodes, they were all like episodes that featured Seven of Nine and the Doctor. Pretty much, yep. mostly. Yep. And the Borg, you know, whatever. So I watched most of those. I watched all the main ones and a few others. And it, and it is a very good show. I liked it a lot. Um, let's see. Jaquan and Only says, Many similar points made here already. I think this could have been stretched over into Season 5, much like Cartagia. Could have been longer if JMS found a way to split off the shadows being on the island of Selene. 
Certainly a case of what could have been if, if Rising Star, it's a future episode this season, and other episodes were at the beginning of season five and the remaining episodes weren't as compact. Yeah, that's, I agree. Yep. We've talked about that. Yeah. Good, yep. good job. Good points. Uh, let's see. Pete Furman, Pete, the real reason Vanna Voice saying DragonCon Furman, says, I thought maybe the Mimbari War didn't seem as rushed when we all originally watched it in 97 because sometimes there were unusually long gaps between the airing of new episodes. That's true. Yep. But I went back and checked, and everything from 410 Racing Mars to 418 Intersections Real Time were all shown without any break. Wow, I didn't realize that. For that run, they were showing up as consistently as Andy's Facebook Wordle score. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, that is such a great line for those who follow Andy on Facebook. If you're a Facebook friend with Andy, he posts his Wordle score religiously every day. Yes, and I, I am the last person on earth that does that. I think, and the I the last I do holdout. That. Right, I do it. I do it as principal now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you did. I see it every now and then. And I'm just like, I, you know what? And on principle, I see it and go, I'm not going to like that. Right. <laughs> I, I've already liked the fifty. I've already liked about seventy five of those. So he can just. There not are get friends. A, there are friends who have threatened to to stop following me or to ban me <laughs> if I keep posting, and so I have to go in and take them off the list. So I posted to friends except for oh, these, wow. these two people. <laughs> that's incredible. I love it. Well, that's a great line from, from Pete. All right. That is a great line. Thanks, um, Pete. <laughs> he says, I'm going, I'm going with everyone else and thinking it was just short shrifted because they thought there wouldn't be a season five. The entire airing schedule for this show was so disjointed compared to the actual season episode order to begin with. An example being no break at all between 318 walkabout and 4.4 walking toward... He uses a different number system than we do. Uh, 404 walking toward ap apotheosis. Another being a four-month break between 418 intersections real time and the last four episodes of season four. Yeah, they did do it really weird that way. I agree. Yeah. My guess is the Minbari War would have taken up a few more episodes during the back half of season four with the season actually ending with the cliffhanger of the face of the enemy or the, at the uh, low point, all is lost ending of intersections in real time. Yes. Uh, and I would love to see the, I think we know that intersection in real time was going to be the last episode of season four. If they hadn't had to right. accelerate. That, that's what JMS had originally said. Yeah. And that's not a spoiler. Anybody hadn't seen it. Cause you don't know what that means. Intersections in real time. You don't know what that episode, right. that's a very vague <laughs> title as are most yeah. of the season four titles. Uh, and I would love to see the look on JMS's face if someone posited Andy's theory about Bester manipulating Zach about kicking Lita out of her quarters to see if that ever entered his mind. Since I couldn't figure out how to get an offline copy of the Dark Mirror B5 story, I guess I'll have to spend the long flight back and forth to Costa Rica reading Vegas Heist, Valis V, and the Avengers book you wrote. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give that a like. Um, <laughs> I'm just I, here in, I'm going to intersect in real time and say I love your choices in reading material there because and he only list, he only listed those because I don't you know hawk my books on air like that. <laughs> <You're welcome to. laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, Vegas Heist, Valdez V, those are both very very uh, award winning novels of mine. Actually, thank you. All right, let me say. Um, Ben, I'm all caught up now. Rose has, let's see, three short, no, two short ones. Uh, he says, you asked. Um, 
Babylon 5, The Road Home. Tell me, O muse, of that ingenious hero who has become unstuck in time, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time his next leap will be the leap home. Oh, my gosh. It is it is uh, Quantum Leap. Yes. I need to tell Jared that. Our, my, you know, the original co-host of the show that kind of tanked and we never went anywhere with it, but he's a big Quantum, I mean, a huge Quantum Leap fan. Yeah. And Zathras is, what's his name? Uh, the Al. Al, Al? yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, oh, <laughs> he says, when the battle started in No Surrender, No Retreat, I was very disappointed because no nukes went off. I think we talk about <laughs> Sheridan nuking everything. Right. <laughs> and then his, oh, he came back with his comment that got deleted. He says, I think I accidentally deleted my comment. When Captain Sheridan decides to attack Proxima 3, he sounds like Malone and the Untouchables. If they get in our way, we'll knock them down. If they kill one of our ships, we'll kill three of theirs. That's the Chicago way, and that's how you get Clark. <laughs> that's the Chicago way. I love it. Good job, Ben. And there's our there's our pa- our patron comments for this episode. Thank you guys all so very much. Y'all really came yeah. through. Like I said, last right. episode we didn't have any. And right. this episode, and man, they answered the call. Thank you, Allison, for sending us that, that link, too. That was yes. great. Yes. All right. Our next episode, and we're still going to do spoiler space, although I don't have a whole lot. Our next episode will cover 416, The Exercise of Vital Powers. I'm telling you, the episode titles this season are so vague. I can't ever remember what half of them, most of them are, honestly. The Exercise of Vital Powers. All right. Um, I suspect, but I don't remember for sure, that we will catch up to what Garibaldi is doing now. Does that seem reasonable? I, I... I will not answer that because I've already watched the episode. Ah, okay. So. All right. Sorry. A quick <laughs> duck into... Jump gate activated. We go into spoiler space, so if you haven't watched for uh, anything beyond this current episode, bail out now and we'll catch you next time. I don't have a whole lot here, Andy. Um, I just had a note <clears throat> that the reason I tend to rate these episodes lower is knowing what's coming up in intersections in real time, which I believe is the Sheridan gets interrogated, and it's basically that there yes. are four lights episode, whatever, right? Yep. The, yep. The, there was one on Star Trek that was very similar. Right. There are there are five lights, by the way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, that's that's what I was thinking. It's the one where they have him in the room and they keep interrogating him and everything. Yep. But yep. but for him to get there, he has to be betrayed. Right. Like and, and captured. We I get think the we know Judas who, moment. How, how that is facilitated. Yeah. And so that knowing that that's coming, I have a harder time enjoying and celebrating Sheridan's early victories, right. knowing that it's, his campaign is interrupted in midstream by that couple of episodes. Gets but that makes, that makes his final victory that much more satisfying. Yeah, it does, 100%. But think about this. If that had been the cliffhanger along the lines of Zaha Doom jumping off the, the, the balcony, think right. how much more of an impact him getting captured by Clark and being tortured by Clark's guys would have been. As it stands, it's just an episode. You know what I mean? It just right. it happens, and they deal with it. Right. So. Oh, yeah. That, that would have been an epic uh, cliffhanger for sure, a season ender, because all the season enders up until now has been, you know, who, who dies and who lives. And yeah. that would have been that would have been a perfect way to, to uh, end the season, I think. So season five would have been like two or three episodes of going and rescuing Sheridan, then coming back around, and you'd have gotten the equivalent of Into the Fire yeah. with Endgame around episode five or six. Right. 
And then you would have had the visit from Rebo and Zudi, I think, at some point. Yeah, and a lot yeah. less telepaths on fire. And right. as, oh, as, as the one, as as whoever it was, I forgot who it was that said this. Uh, the hair, the telepath, you know, Byron basically. <laughs> remember Byron? I'm like, I've been trying to forget Byron for 25 years. I don't want to remember Byron, but you know. That, that hair was pretty fabulous, though. I, there is it no was. denying that. Well, and no insult on Robin Atkin Downs. I like Robin Atkin Downs fine. Yeah. But the character. It's not the act, right? It's not the portrayal that we hate. It's the, the, the writing and the character that we hate. And here's my Dragon Con reference for this episode. At Dragon Con, maybe 99, 2000, so basically right after the fifth season aired, I was on the escalator in one of the big hotels at Dragon Con. And Robin Atkin Downs was coming down, I think, as I was going up or the other way around. And I looked back at him, and he had on the black satin jacket with the shield sword logo on the back of it. And at that point, I said, I must own that jacket. I must. And I have a black Babylon 5 jacket that I got from the fan club, but it's um, it's the kind of baseball jacket, you know, with like the the cuffs and the yep. around the elastic around the waist and all that. Right. And it doesn't have the shield on the back. It has like the, like the first season logo with the stars all expanding out behind. It looks great. I love it, but um, it's a prized possession, but um, it's not the shield. I just love that shield. Yeah. That's, that's a good logo, man. That's, that's an awesome logo. I love that shield too. It really is. Um, oh, and I had another exchange with JMS about crusade last week on Twitter. Uh Oh, I missed that one. He just basically just does not have any interest. He basically said, he came back at me again and said, you poke JMS, it's like poking the bear in the cave, you know? Yeah, yeah. And all I said was, you know, is there, I said, I'd said before, could you finish it in a book or something? This time I said something like, could you like do an Easter egg in some other show that you're going to do? You know, just give us a hint. And he's like, I, I basically his response was nobody cares. Right, I did see that. I didn't know that was a response to you, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's he was co- he copied my thing and quoted it back in the tweet. He said, he said like again, you know, it was a failed show. Not that many people watched it, and then of them, not many remember it. You know, and he just kept whittling it down. And he's like, you know, we're not gonna. But my argument has always been, dude, you spent like a year begging us all to watch this show trying to convince us that we should watch this show, trying to convince us we should buy into it emotionally, right, and care. And I did. I did what you requested, and now you're kicking me out. You're telling me I don't care about what you know. And you, Oh, it feels like he's saying in a way, and I don't mean to be mean about this, but it just bothers me, right, because I've, you know, for how many years now? 24 years. It's like he said, you know, come in, come in, come in, and I came in, and he said, oh, get out. Right. You know, I just, it just bothers me because I, I bought into what he was selling and now he's telling me, well, that's your fault. You know, that's just bad. That's just on you, which may or not be true, but it's still disheartening. Right. So there you go. All right. Any last thoughts, any spoilers, anything before we wrap up? No, I got nothing. Yeah. I think we covered everything pretty well. Not a lot of spoiler stuff. Yeah. Not a lot of spoiler stuff this time. So this was a very straightforward episode for sure. Yeah, and a very straightforward podcast episode about it, I think. We kind of zip right, right through it. So for us, this we is quick. Did. So All right. right. <laughs> for us, this is short. All right. We're going to get on out of here for another episode. Andy and I will return in two weeks for 416, the exercise of vital powers. 
patrons. I'm sorry you didn't get a big lead time on the episode this time, uh, but it just worked out that way. But we're going to try to get our backlog back again one of these days. Aren't we? Yep. And then we'll, uh, we, we yep. blew our backlog after like a month, but it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> right. It was nice to have that in our hip pocket, but then it came time yeah. to pay the piper. It's like, oh, crap. All it right. didn't work. Yep. All right. We will see you guys down the road. Good night, Andy. Good night. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.